Welcome everyone back to the broadcast. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network, and I am joined by Tracy Pearson. He is risen. How are you, Tracy? <laughs> I'm good. I like that Easter reference. That's, it's, that's well, good, it's, Dave. It's, it's 9 a.m. West Coast, right? You're I mean, but you've been you've been you you rose at like what five in the morning this morning? Yeah, I like how when you when we were talking about doing this and we we're exchanging emails, you said, "Hey, well, why don't we do it uh, like mid morning for you about nine o'clock?" <laughs> <laughs> I said, "I got that joke, Dave. Thanks." Yeah, yeah Tracy, early riser. Um, this is what I do. You get up, you get up early, and then you go to the early uh, dinner specials at like three thirty in the yeah. afternoon. Isn't that? I mean, that's what you do, and then you're asleep by what eight? eight no, I, I, I'm actually. I, I've I've finally come around to that because I finally did the did the math, and uh, the amount of times that I will go to the gym if I don't do it at five in the morning is never. That's the number of times I will go to the gym with small children if it's after work. But if I go if I go at five in the morning, it's great. It's wonderful. Yeah, I, I don't know. How people go to the gym in the afternoon. You're so exhausted. You're done. Then. You're fully done. Yeah. 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 No. Um, yeah. Better to be tired than, than fully done. Um, I right. am now, I'm just going to say this. I am to the point where when you're getting older, you know how most people just love to sleep. They go, oh, God, I just, yeah, yeah. I want to get my eight hour, nine hours. I'm, I force myself to stay up late, even just watch, just streaming TV shows, forcing myself to say, I, I need to appreciate life and get every little bit out of life, even it's, if it's just watching a TV show, rather than sleeping my life away. That might be a little bit dark. That might be a little bit dark for everyone's Monday afternoon commute. I'll be honest. That's, I thought it was kind of deep and textured and, and kind of interesting, too. That's why. It's, yeah, yeah, but a little dark, right? Like, uh, well, dark. That makes it interesting. Yeah, yeah. What do you I, want, just fluff? I get it. I'm, I'm still I'm still firmly in the I want my eight to nine hours. The thing is, I'll just go to bed at eight thirty. I don't care. I've got a I've got a five year old and a two year old. What am I going to do past like eight thirty at night? Nothing. But I, I guess what I'm saying those are just a little less dark. The people that look at like God, I'm looking forward to something, and they look forward to sleeping. Yeah, I don't get that. That's not something you look like. Wow, I'm going to go on this great hike or. Wow, I'm looking forward to Game of Thrones. Oh, I'm looking forward to sleeping. I, I, I that, just that, don't get it. That's pretty dark too. On the other end, I think. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, I think there's a, there's a, there's a very light middle to be found there between those two. Um, okay, I did both extremes. Yeah, it was good. All right. Well, speaking of the light middle, it's uh, it's UCLA. It's UCLA athletics. All you there. are into the segues today. It's really they're, good. They're not good, but, but I'm into them. <laughs> I'm just going to keep yeah, powering through yeah. them. Um, UCLA just wrapped up spring ball, uh, Saturday was the spring game, uh, hope springs eternal as it always does in spring, uh, in the human heart. Mick Dad Cronin. jokes too. Dad oh God, jokes. it's so good. I'm just, I'm just rolling right now. Uh, Mick Cronin, uh, hired as, as the basketball coach. We talked about that last time, but he's, he's hitting the ground running with assistant coaches and whatnot. Spring evaluation period starting up this weekend, but we wanted to start with football. Um, so spring game on Saturday, I watched it. You watched it multiple times. My, I, I'm strictly binary right now. The last spring game last year, I joke tweeted this after the spring game, but I was like, why is it that UCLA always holds a spring game that makes me convinced they're going three and nine this season? So unfortunately, I spoke that into existence. Did um, you say three and nine? You actually said three I, and nine. I'm pretty sure I said three and nine. It was either three and nine or two and ten. But so you have power, and you have the power right now to speak something else into existence. And I would say this: it looked nothing like last year. Much, much better. Much more fluid. They look much more like a team that could potentially go six and six. Oh, I th- I wanted you to say that Tracy has a chance to have like George Clooney's life to like oh, speak yeah, yeah, that yeah. into existence. You're, you're using your power on UCLA football? I have, a, I have a very narrow focus. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And that's all the power you have is on UCLA football. Everything else, you're powerless. Well, and actually most of the time I'm, I'm dead wrong. Like that was one of the one time, one of the like few times I've been right ever. Okay. So, so really now, I don't have a power of any kind. I, I was lucky once. I'm trying to speak this into existence. 
Yeah. That you have the power of speaking things into existence. Well, okay. Then we're getting like a few degrees away from like the actual power because you're then speaking something into existence about my ability to speak something into existence. Damn, your philosophy major is coming out again. Yeah, I know. It? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> my takeaway for this thing was, and I and I always have to, I always have to remind myself of this when you're down on the sideline and you're watching it. And you're watching any kind of football. It just looks a lot more disorganized and harried and and just rough than when you get to go watch it from you know uh, the perspective of up in the stands or in the press box or from a t or watching it on TV. So it was it was funny because I wrote a really quick takeaway from it because I said, you know, don't write this yet. Go back and watch that tape a little. And I'm glad I did because it was, I had a lot better impression after watching it on TV. Yeah. I, I and you know, I, I watched it live. Um, and I think just having it on the TV kind of gave me that initial impression. And also I think because, I mean, you were there for every single more or less spring practice. Um, I was there for a handful. Um, my memory is it kind of goes immediately back to the last spring game, which was so bad and so vanilla, but also just so bad. Like I thought just, you were going to call it butt. It was butt. I was waiting it, for butt. Oh, I it was super butt. butt. Like on the butt scale, it was an enormous butt. Um, but that was, I mean, it was just, it was so bad. And so that remember like everyone afterwards was like, oh no, he's just trolling. As if a coach is going to like waste an entire practice trolling everyone, um, when in in fact uh, the 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 offense that we ended up seeing, the team that we ended up seeing in game one, actually looked quite a bit like that spring game, um, at <laughs> least in terms of tempo, in terms of you know just kind of things not looking cohesive. All of yeah. that stuff looked better. Like all of the, again, it was still vanilla. Like they're not doing like a bunch of, as you pointed out, like they're not doing any of that post snap re or pre snap read after they've already kind of looked at things. Um, they're not doing any of that stuff. Um, they're doing, uh, but like the cohesion between the players, what they're, how they're running routes, the tempo itself was better. Um, it wasn't like breakneck speed, but it was better. Um, all that stuff looked more like, okay, this is a team in year two. Um, and so I'm, I'm encouraged after that. I think my one big thing is I'm encouraged that I, I think the offense maybe won't pick up right where it left off at the end of last year. Maybe there'll be some kinks to iron out at the beginning of the year. Um, but I don't think it's going to look anywhere near as bad as it looked at the beginning of last year. Yeah, I really agree. And I, I don't, first off uh, a few things, I don't think they're intentionally making it vanilla. It's just what you do in spring is you go over basics and fundamentals and when it comes to the playbook you're you're doing basic fundamental plays first off secondly it was an it was uh justin fry who's calling the plays kind of for the first time um so there's that there's also like the there's no pre-snap reads like we saw a lot of that i think it was mostly the second half of the season where they'd come up to the line and Chip Kelly would read the defense and they'd all look over the sideline. It's so funny. They look like a bunch of prairie dogs. And over yeah, that was a <laughs> huge portion of the offense. Is it prairie yeah. dogs or is it like, yeah, it's prairie dogs, right? Yeah, I think so. When they're all looking up as a group, it's very funny. Um, so there's none of that. And then just naturally, you're always going to have the defense that knows what you're doing more than, than any other typical defense. So that leads to vanilla. Um, and then you're not going to do a lot. You don't have a lot of personnel either. So they're not doing it on purpose. So given that and how vanilla we've seen spring practices after watching it on TV, I, I, I was impressed like with what you said with how, how well, I don't know how to say it, but it was just, it was fundamentally sound. I mean, yeah. I think there was, there was one false start. And that was Jake Burton, which was ironic because he's been probably the best offensive lineman all all spring. Um, they just looked very, like you said, very cohesive. Uh, they were all on the same page. Uh, there was some there were some issues in the with the mesh point on handoffs. Uh, some of that had to do with the slippery the slippery uh, grass at Drake Stadium. Yeah, 
But no, overall, that that definitely was an impression by far. Yeah. Um, and then just uh, they the passing game once once Dorian Thompson Robinson decided to check down and look for the easier pass, which actually, if you watch it on TV, you didn't see it because they took out his whole first drive, which was really weird. Uh, did you notice that, Dave? I mean, they had one. I only really noticed it when pass. I read your thing. Yeah, there was one <laughs> broken play where I think he was like pseudo sacked, and then they were punting. So th- that was it. They didn't show that whole first thing. They had a graphic up for like about two minutes, um, but I don't know. I don't know how that happened. Um, but that first series, oh, I, I, he- I can I can fill you in on how that happened. <laughs> uh, the the Pac twelve Network. Yeah, let's just say that. The the first series he just he held the ball a lot looking down the field and then then he got better where he was throwing those short and intermediate passes and doing it well I thought he and Austin Burton both did that well and that's a sign I think that they're learning the offense they know where everyone is they know where the checkdowns are they know what to be looking for and that was all a really good sign I mean they moved the ball down the field they just didn't put it in the end zone so that was Compared, if you really try to remember that <laughs> spring game last year, wow, we all came away. That was not a good thing to come away with as your lasting impression for, you know, what, three months until you see them again. Yeah, and we were all trying to kind of, I mean, and I think we all kind of did convince ourselves that we could explain that away. Like, we were all like, oh, no, I mean, come on. No, no, that's not what it's going to be. He's trolling, like the whole thing. Like, there was that whole thing about he's trolling, and it's just, yeah. No. Well, we were still going through the whole thing. What kind of, you know, what kind of offense is he running? Right. You know, it was still a little, we were still in shock realizing this was a pro-style multi-look offense Yeah. when we were we were kind of still expecting a little bit of the Oregon blur. I mean, frankly, yeah. I'm, I'm still not over that, but whatever, let's move on. Um, no, and uh, one other thing that uh, stood out to me, just kind of, you know, eyeballing it from TV, and this was a guy I didn't see a ton of um, during spring ball, but the guy who obviously jumped off the screen in the game was Jalen Irwin, uh, the yeah. JC receiver, um, looking explosive, looking like a playmaker downfield. Um, that ball he caught, I think it was from Burton, right? That 40 yard. It, it was. Yeah. Um, he, I mean, he looked really impressive. He looks like a guy, you know, Theo Howard hasn't quite broken through the way I think we both thought he might um, coming out of high school. And maybe that still happens. He's had two nice years, but he hasn't had that explosive year where he just does everything with the ball. Um, I think Ir- there's room for Irwin to make a big impact this year. Yeah, I mean, a few qualifications here, uh, caveats. Theo Howard, in all of practice and in that game, is mostly going up against Darnay Holmes. And Darnay is you know, really developed into an excellent cornerback. So, and it's good for him. They're challenging each other all the time. And if, uh, if Theo didn't necessarily have like a flashy spring, it was because of that, but you'd have to think going up against RNA all the time. Then when he gets out and he goes up against ordinary human cornerback, he's going to do pretty well. On the other hand, Jalen Irwin giving him all the credit because to come into a situation where, it's all new. He's going to class, the whole thing, and he made a big impact, but he was going up against the twos. So just that's the caveat. But the fact that he provides some over-the-top uh, threat and some speed and just the ability to separate. I'm Right at this very moment, I'm writing the first recruiting trend meter of 2020, and I'm doing this section on wide receivers, and I'm talking about – how UCLA bro users have always said that UCLA doesn't tend to get that real difference making receiver. And it's, and it's really true. When's, when's the last time UCLA has really had, I mean, Caleb Wilson last year, when you just think, Oh, just keep going to Caleb Wilson all the way down the field because no one can stop him. But four four games of Jordan Lasley in 2017, um, but, but the guy that you got out of high school that was a big-time yeah. recruit, you brought him in, he showed how talented he was, he made a big impact, and he changed the offense. When you, 
when you have a receiver like that, I mean, you need a really good quarterback who can deliver the ball. You need an offensive line who can give him time. But all that does nothing if there's no one open. <laughs> yeah. yeah so, the last one was what? Probably Freddie Mitchell? <laughs> I kind of think, you know, Jordan Payton had it a bit there for a while where they were going to him a lot. Because he came in he, and he was immediately he was immediately very good and he never stopped being very good basically his entire time at UCLA. But right. I don't I don't know if he ever rose to the level where you were like where other other teams were like, okay, we've got to figure out an answer for Peyton on every down or anything like that. You know? And I think yeah. And I think just while we're veering a little off course and talking and I touched on recruiting. There are some guys like that that they're recruiting. Johnny Wilson of Calabasas, Gary Bryan of Corona Centennial. Gary Bryan is – whenever you watch that guy, like in 7-on-7, seven seven, he's just as open all the time. He's just open. And you, you – and I'm writing in this thing that the biggest impact on UCLA's recruiting is going to be their season. If they just get six or seven wins – and the offense looks like a great pro-style offense. It's very sophisticated, and Chip Kelly's doing things that, you know, very few people in all of football are doing. That will attract uh, a wide receiver with elite talent. So winding uh, winding that back a little, being able to have that season and and have that receiver that is able to get open and you can and a recruit can project himself to being that guy and maybe that is Jalen Irwin I, I still hold out hope for Theo Howard because he showed a lot of flashes last season and he's and he'll get away from Darnay Holmes so I think I think they have a chance there's some guys in there that are that could flash um and I thought and like you said we saw that in Jalen Irwin in the spring game yeah and um, the other uh, kind of one of the like lingering background uh, notes from basically the entire spring was the like sort of kind of quarterback competition between Austin Burton and Dorian Thompson Robinson. And more or less, it's just we watched all the spring practices and, you know, Dorian Thompson Robinson was probably a little bit better than he was last fall. Um, but Austin Burton was also quite a bit better than he was last fall. And um uh, there certainly didn't seem to be a huge amount of separation with them when I was watching spring ball. Then in the spring game, I thought Burton performed well, but I did think it was, I don't know, maybe a little bit more clear. Dorian Thompson Robinson, I think even in that semi-game atmosphere, maybe steps it up a little bit more. Um, and it, it seemed to me that, okay, this this now looks a little bit more clear, the division between these two. But I was wondering if you came away with anything like the same impression. Um, yeah, uh, it's, you know, it's really interesting too, because there are a lot of people on bro who don't get like how spring practice can be. First off, it's not a great indication really of how the fall season's going to go. Um, it's especially not a great indication of how quarterbacks are going to perform. They're doing various things in spring. They're installing new plays, new looks, new, and they don't know them. <laughs> so they're not very good at them. Uh, there's just so many, the, the defense knows what they're going to do. There's so many different elements. I mean, Josh Rosen had one good spring when he came in early that one spring. And then I don't think he ever had a good spring or fall camp ever. No, that, he never did. You would no, And it's just, it's inherently, I, I don't get it when I read other reports that the quarterbacks did really well in spring practice at other programs. I, I, I'm thinking, wow, their defenses must be just crap or they're not installing new things or I don't, I don't really get that at all. So figuring that in, I came away with, with the impression that uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson ha has gotten better. He's, he's better at completing those basic bread and butter throws you need to do. And that Austin Burton over the course of March and April and then the spring game showed that he's playable. He's very playable, that he will be able to execute the position. So it's kind of a it's kind of a relief. I think there are two guys that could operate the offense at a fairly high level that are on the team. When going into spring, I was questioning if there was even one. Yeah. So I 
I'm, I'm excited about that, but I, I wanted to also say that just so that everyone can kind of get this, when we're reporting on spring practice and we're saying Dorian Thompson Robinson is struggling, has struggled in the last two, but Austin Burton had a better day this day. But then we say, you know, Dorian Thompson Robbins is probably is still the better quarterback. That's the way spring practice goes. It's it's not black and white. It's gray area. People, it goes from practice to practice, heck, from period to period. You know, and it's just it's up and down and all around, and you can't define it like that. And people get very frustrated because they think our reporting is inconsistent, but our reporting is very consistent of how inconsistent spring practice can be. So I just wanted to get that clear. But uh, overall, I think Dorian Thompson Robinson was about what we thought he should be. But I think Austin Burton has, has now proven out that he's a little better than maybe what we were expecting. Like when he flashed it a little, remember in the spring game last year, he threw a couple of good, he made a couple of good throws and there was all, but we weren't ready to anoint him. Wow. Okay. He could really play. I think we're now, we've got enough we got enough evidence to say that he would be able to play and and execute the position well enough. Yeah, and and his and his he has a pretty consistent arc. Like he's gotten a little bit better basically every year he's been at UCLA. Um, and he started off with I think you know he was a kind of under the radar guy that we all were kind of like oh no actually his film looks okay like he looks like he might be able to play. And then each year he's added a little bit more. This spring, I think the obvious thing for me was he added a little bit to his arm. I mean, there was a little yeah. bit more juice on those throws. Um, but the accuracy, which I think was his hallmark from the beginning, was there. Um, you know, the footwork was there. The, everything, all, all the like little pieces were there. And then he added a little bit of juice to his arm so that suddenly those outs that were getting broken up, he was hitting them with more consistency, um, and I, he's nowhere in it right now. Still, with with Thompson Robinson from a pure arm strength standpoint, um, right? But, that's what the distinction. You're and right, and that's the obvious thing. Watching that spring game, it's like, well, one of these guys can gun a ball like just you know hit those checkdowns with some fire, and one of them not so much. Um, one of them has to be a little bit better with uh, you know kind of the pre snap everything because he's not going to have as much arm strength to make up for uh, slow decisions. So. Here's the element, though, uh, and I know that I know this that Austin Burton's a really smart kid, and I think there's two things. He he thinks the position really well. He gets all the concepts. He understands it all. He he gets his checkdowns and where to go. Um, but I think even beyond just his smarts, I think he has a really good feel. He he's he's shown that he has a good sense of the pocket. When if you watch that game again, there were obviously a couple of virtual sacks, but there were a couple of times when he legitimately scrambled that he wasn't sacked and then ran off. He avoided the sack and ran and, and, you know, gained 10 to 15 yards because he's, he's pretty quick. He's a good athlete. It was funny. Someone on the board said, Hey, just so you know, I've seen him. I don't know if he said he's seen him, but someone else has seen him play basketball in the wooden center. And it's funny because I had heard a lot about, him playing basketball and I guess he looks very uh, as a very athletic basketball player he can dunk the ball so he's got a smarts a good feel he's athletic there's some of the intangibles there that that make for a good quarterback so that was one of the biggest takeaways I think of spring practice which I think you're gonna write an article about positive takeaways aren't you dave <laughs> that's the plan that's the yeah plan. you're giving me just excellent material right here tracy i know that's what i'm saying it's good just dropping nuggets um defensively i i guess i just i don't ever take nearly as much from i mean spring practices in general um and spring games just not even in particular just they're an extension of spring practice if only because the hitting even when it is hitting isn't really hitting hitting and it's such a important part of like especially assessing linebacker play um i i, I guess if i was going to take some major things from it the depth at linebacker not even that it looks so great it's just it does stand in stark contrast to what ucla was actually working with last year 
Not because, that it's great, but there is depth. Yeah, but there actually are a few guys to throw in there. Like, <laughs> yeah. even with the injuries they currently have, it pales in comparison to the insane injuries they were dealing with last year because there actually is still a healthy two deep. Like, there's still enough guys to field one. Um, and I thought that was that was maybe my one big takeaway. I mean, everyone there, I thought Tyree Thompson obviously looked good. Um, but for him, it's always going to be what it looks like, what he looks like when he's going against an opposing offense that's doing different things. Um, I yeah. think I think the UCLA offense, he's obviously very familiar with it. And at the end of last year, when they were going against offenses that looked a little bit more like stuff that he had seen before, he suddenly had some great games. Like there were a couple of games where he was like, oh, wow, there's Tyree Thompson. He was really struggling through the first half of the year, but now he's made some strides. So I think he's made some strides, but I want to see that more in games. Um, Chris Barnes looked much the same to me, um, which is to say he he was fine at the end of last year. I think he still looks fine. Um, But I'm still, I guess the one thing I'm missing, and the one thing I was missing when I was out there for spring practice was, do you remember what it was like to watch Eric Kendricks out there or Jayon Brown out there, and they were just in on every single play making tackles? Um, just had that incredible, like, just uncanny nose for the ball. I just don't see anybody with that. Yeah, I don't think there is anyone like that. There isn't an individual linebacker who, who has that kind of talent. But um, I was – my biggest impression of the defense was how well they tackled in that spring game. Just very sure tackling. And a lot of it was from the linebackers. I think for years we've been so used to, you know, maybe a running back getting into the second level and then our linebacker, uh, UCLA's linebacker whiffs. And that wasn't the case on Saturday. Um, you're right about the talent, but I, there's a different way to like skin a cat. It's not necessarily one guy, but if you have decent talent across three guys, that might still be effective. And I just want to mention Javari Anderson in watching that tape again a second time, I really isolated on him. And it was funny because last spring when he came in, you know, he's an undersized guy. He's probably six foot 225. And I really noticed him because in one-on-ones he was like uh, against, uh, God, some, some of the guys, he just like Bolu. I remember he like put Bolu on his ass and I went, wow, this guy plays, you know, more physically than you would seem. Denny. And he looked like emerging out of spring camp. He would have been the second starting inside linebacker next to Chris Barnes and not Tyree Thompson. And then he got hurt. And I think they just let him because of the season and he had a concussion. They just let him sit. He might've been able to come back, but I think they just let him sit then seeing him again this spring and seeing him in that spring game, if you watch him, there are a couple of times when uh, someone ahead of him has a running back or a ball carrier kind of hung up, and then he comes over and just destroys them. Yeah. There, there were two of those plays. So it's, to me, it's ta- just improving tackling would be a huge thing. And between, I think Chris Barnes is solid. Tyree Thompson looks like he's going to be solid. You've got uh Javari Anderson inside if you go back and look Bo Calvert played a good game I didn't really notice him the first time and then the second time I I I really did notice that he he played well inside and you've got Lukeni Toaloa who's solid who also looks to be who might be UCLA's best pass rusher so I think inside they're looking pretty good that's five guys I mentioned right yeah five or six that's that's pretty good at inside linebacker for a season going into a season. Yeah. Um, so I was encouraged by that. Outside linebacker? Yeah. I mean, you have to look at that and go, you know, Jay Smalley and, you know, Langi Toaloa and are they – is there talent there really? And then then you watch them in there and watching them in that tape, they were really effective. Well, so that's that's the point in our story, Tracy, where I begin to worry then. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's what be, I'm saying. because I'm like, look, if Lenny Toilo and, and Jay Smalley are looking that good against your tackles, yeah, ah, not so great. Not so great. Here, but here's the thing, too. This is what's interesting about those guys. So Jay Smalley is six foot. Lenny is like six one. Yeah. Maybe. They are not physically... 
I think there's a there's a weird twilight zone kind of thing going on when you look at like a defense when it lines up before you, your eye kind of catches on a guy like uh, uh, Jalen Phillips, yeah. six five, two fifty. You just your eye catches on him, and just him running around, just not even doing anything. You go, wow, right? You don't notice guys like. J- Jay Smalley or Lenny Toaloa. You, you just don't. And that's funny. It's because I didn't even notice some of the plays they're making because they, when the defense is kind of swarming, they're just part of that little swarm. But if you really isolate on them, you go, wow, they're playing really, they're doing really well. But then the question, like you said, is does that mean the offensive line is just really not that good? Or is I really think Langy Toaloa might be one of the more underrated guys. No, no, no. and I, I want and I want to throw this note in here uh, because he this was this isn't even just in spring practice last season during the season. Like if you asked me after like maybe like eight of the games, did Lenny Toaloa play? I'd probably be like maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I have to go back. And he's twenty six. And then, and then I was confused with twenty five. Right. Too. And then I would go and watch yeah. it, and I'd be like, not only did he play. He was making like tackle after tackle after tackle, but he's always like the first guy in and then somebody else covers up his number or he's just kind of so tiny or whatever. But it's just like, oh, yeah, that dude actually he's all over the place all the time. Like he was making a bunch of plays. Um, It was the same with Jay Smalley all spring. Well, at least not all April. And then go watch that game. Number 41 is everywhere in that game. Not only just beating some tackles, but there was a play – I think it was a third and short. It was like a third and two. And he's lined up at outside linebacker. And he circled in around, snuck through. You can barely follow him because he's just not very tall. And he made the tackle and and kept it from a first down. And it was a hell of a play. And like I'm saying, they're just sneaky guys. They're not 6'5 and 255 like Jalen Phillips who really stand, or you know Elijah Wade who you really notice physically. They're just sneaky guys that are in the scrum in there, and you don't even realize what they're doing. And I think so. And I think that's all a good point. And I think that they can be very effective types of outside linebackers. I think my my thing, and this is maybe a piece that we're not going to actually be able to answer. Well, we at this point we're not going to be able to answer it until we actually see some games. But right now, I would say that there's an obvious weakness on this defense that no amount of you know, guys getting a little bit better in marginal ways is going to get fixed, and that's the pass rush. Like, I just, I'm having a hard time seeing that becoming even good by the start of the season. I think if it And if you watch, just to support that, if you watch the OLDL one-on-ones, like in April, they're just, you know, we used to watch guys, and there were some guys that would just be brilliant. Like, Tacharis McKinley, just in those, he would just flash by people, swim right by them, everything. There isn't anyone who can do that right now. And in the OL deal, you just see it rep after rep after rep. It's not like one isolated play. You see it over and over again, and your takeaway is, yeah, there's no pass rusher on this team. No. So, yeah. Yeah, and whatever marginal improvement you see from Isabor, whatever, you know, and Keyshawn Lucer Southweather, you know, what ends up happening now with his grade situation, but – Assuming he's back in fall, I still don't see that. I, I don't him. know, and I'm just going to say this. I don't know if you can necessarily assume that. I, I'm not saying he's gone. I'm just saying I think it's uncertain at this point. Great. So let's let's say that's whatever. Even if he does yeah. come back, I don't think he single-handedly solves your pass rush situation. So what I want to see is them tailor the defense more towards, and I know these are words that you hate, um, but bend but don't break. There's a way to do that effectively. Walk, walk, <laughs> Tracy's dying. Tracy's dying. Get him a cup of water. Um, Washington and Cal did that last year. They both fielded an elite defense that had very little pass rush. Um, neither of those teams was sacking the quarterback at any great rate. But they tackled extremely well. They played containment. They pressed up to the line of scrimmage to prevent any kind of you know leaky plays. But also they... Just kind of, you know, let teams do their one or two yards, but they're not trying to knife into the backfield for a bunch of tackles for loss. I, I, I don't think this team is built with, first, good individual pass rushers, or second, outside of Lokeni Toiloa, good blitzers. It just doesn't, 
those aren't the pieces that they have. Um, And potentially they have good tacklers. I think with a healthy linebacker core, they might. Um, And I think building a defense more around that, more around just making sure tackles two and three yards downfield. um, That at the worst, it's going to be average, I think. And um, average is a lot better than where they were last year. I want to say one thing too, because there's only upside in saying this, because if down the line it comes to fruition, everyone could look back and go, wow, Tracy nailed that. If not, there's no, there's no downside here, but just watch, watch for Josh Woods. Um, because when he first came to UCLA, I thought he was an outside linebacker that I thought that matched him. He's not necessarily like a really, really physical type of player. Um, and then he played inside, he was at inside linebacker just because maybe physically he matches that better. Um, and then when you're at outside linebacker, you also need to be able to go up against big tackles. He just, for one thing, he was kind of he was kind of a he was kind of a tweener between outside and inside linebacker. Um, but I thought he always showed a better. The best thing he, I thought he did was actually rush the passer rather than mix it up inside, throw off a blocker, and bring down a running back in traffic. I thought that's what he he showed a penchant for being able to rush the passer. And now, if you look at him. Wow, physically, he's one of those guys that you'll just look, you keep looking at and going, wow, man, he has just gotten really big. Um, He might be a guy, I'm not going to say he'd come in and, you know, (laughs) he's going to get 12 sacks in the year, but he might be a guy that provides some of that. Um, And uh, just, just watch for him coming in and being an outside linebacker. And I, and the fact that I love the fact that you and I have been saying since I don't even know when <laughs> that they needed to probably move Josh Woods to outside linebacker. And finally, halfway through April, when uh, what? Uh, who got hurt? Oh, it was it was Elijah Wade got hurt. So Keyshawn Lucy or South out, Elijah Wade gets hurt. So they finally move Woods to outside linebacker, where I think he might fit. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that will be. That would be interesting to watch in fall when he's at full go. Yeah, and the other interesting thing with Woods is, I mean, he still really hasn't played a lot of football. I mean, how many healthy seasons has he even had at UCLA? How many games has he actually played? I'm actually going to look this up right now because, okay, so. Should I fill the empty space? No, 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 I've got it. I've got it right now. Guess. Guess how many games, like, he has at least participated in, and this is going to be entering – so this is his redshirt senior season that we're going to be Yeah, okay, here. so he missed all of last year. year before, he was kind of the pseudo-starter starter until he got hurt. I'll say that was, I think he got hurt halfway, so I'll say six games. And before, I'd say he's played in 11 games. He has played in 17. But, okay. so that's one but so significant was, was, time, I bet it's only been like eleven. That's like I mean, on he has special he, teams. he has sixty total tackles in his career, right? So I bet the first five or six games that was just him running down the field on special teams. Well, in freshman year, if you remember, that was where he went in because uh, Jim Morris' staff couldn't figure out that you can play somebody out of position if you get down to like your fourth string guy, and they burned his red shirt for like four snaps, and then he got hurt. Uh, well, but, you know, that's not even exclusive. Yeah, the Moritz staff did that, but that's not even exclusive to them. I get a sense of this. Every staff I've ever watched just has never gotten that idea that, you know, you got a pretty talented guy over here, right? and you're and you're really down at that other position. Just go throw him out over there, right? Especially in a game where you're already just getting your butt kicked. I forgot what game it was, but I think they were already getting their asses kicked. And it's just like, just throw Cameron Judge in there. Just do it. He's fine. Yeah. He'll be fine. Yeah, never have gotten that. Yeah. It's like they feel, I don't know, that, you know, sometimes these games are really just like Sandlot games out in the park. And just throw the guy out there and see what he can do. Yeah, he's going to miss some assignments, but at least he'll be able to play and he'll, he might make some plays. Yeah, just just give him some very simple directions. Run a very simple yeah. defense when he's in there. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, yeah. Okay, 
So, uh, yeah, I think that that would certainly be interesting if Josh Woods can provide some of that. Um, you know, to this point, he really he doesn't he hasn't had a lot of reps, so maybe he'll you know kind of come at it with a fresh mindset too. Um, and if there's a guy you're rooting for, it's him. Oh yeah, he's a great kid. He's just all the stuff he's done for like what mental health and stuff because of his high school teammate. Remember? Yep. Who, I mean, just amazing. Just he's done some great stuff. So, and just how many times? Just when he suffered that ACL last year. So maybe this is all. You know, he gets this year back and he can make an impact. And you, you, that's a guy you got to really be rooting for. Absolutely. Well, I have nothing else in the spring game. You have anything else you want to touch on before we uh, move on to hoops? Not really. I mean, we could keep talking and talking about because there was a lot. You know, the secondary looked really good. Really impressed with Quentin Lake. He just he looks like a man now. Just oh, yeah. not only physically, but just the way he handles himself and 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 just making plays, knowing what he's doing. Uh, that's that's just really that's something. And and I was impressed with all the young defensive backs, uh, how they went after Patrick Jolly, you know, and he held up, man. That that spring game ended on him being challenged, I think, three plays in a row and and not backing down and winning those one-on-one matchups against Chase Cota. So him, uh, Rayshad Williams, just kind of, you know, the younger guys, you know, maybe not, maybe they'd be able to provide you some, solid backup minutes, but they're going to be redshirt freshmen. You got to think about them as redshirt sophomores and juniors. So that, that was all, that's all very encouraging the way you can see how Chip Kelly's program is building talent and depth. It's just, it's, it's still just so much in the foundational stages that it's a little annoying, but you can see what it's attempting to do. Let's get really good, big, long athletes who might be raw and overlooked at it and just coach them up well. And then in years from now, it will all come to fruition. Yeah. And leave, it, and leave 15 to 17 roster spots open just for that added flexibility in the off season. Absolutely. Added flexibility. That's a good way. That's a just good thing nothing to like a little to. bit of added flexibility. That's like the worst sanctions any team has gone through since SMU. <laughs> that's exactly true. Okay, let's move on to Mick. <laughs> Look, I always have to. I gotta. I gotta dig that one in. You know. I know. It's, it's always, you, you got dark. I started dark. You ended dark. Well, that's the thing. We were the light in the middle, and then we started dark and ended dark. But there was a long okay. period of light in the middle. Well, let's get light with Mick. Let's get light with Mick, because I am, I'm smitten with Micken. Micken? Cronin? <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Uh, okay. Just go with it. It's great. Um, yeah. So, news news from Mick since uh, since he was hired. Uh, the big big note is he has brought over uh, Darren Savino, um, his longtime kind of second guy at uh, Cincinnati, the associate head coach under Cronin, um, and we'll almost certainly have the exact same role here. Is that, is that the title that he got? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So Associate head coach. yeah, he, he's the number two guy, um, makes full sense. Um, and now the question is really how the rest of the staff will get filled out at this point. Obviously you'd want some West coast recruiting experience though. Uh, is the candidate pool that strong? What's, what's your take on this and, and how important it is to get, the staff fully in place by, I mean, evaluation period is this weekend. How important is it to get it done by this weekend? Yeah. First off, um, I love, I've always liked uh, the UCLA coaching staff not to look LA, not to look all slick and pretty. I like it when, because that's just not that it's just so stereotyped, but I think UCLA because of that we're in Los Angeles in West LA it needs to have a tough element to it, right? It just to counter that slick, soft image. So I love the fact that you're getting like this basketball coaching staff of these tough-looking, and I and I I forgot where Darren Savino's from, but they all look like they're from you know they've shaved they're older guys shaved their heads and they grew up on the tough streets of, of the Bronx or Brooklyn, right? Right or New Jersey. I love that. I, I, I just like that it, there's just a projection 
of streetwise scrappiness on the UCLA bench. Um, it was my one, I mean, this is so silly. It was my one thing against Tony Bennett. He looks so UCLA, doesn't he? Yeah. I mean, just the pretty boy, slick, everything, you know, the metrosexual, everything's perfect. Wow. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. I didn't mean that. Tony that might be the first it. time I've heard the word metrosexual in like, I don't know. Am ten, I going to get, is that 10 years? Get, really? That might be 10 years. Okay. Okay. It's still out there, Dave. You're just, yeah, you're. Maybe just you're too I'm just much be- on your weird hipster history podcast that you don't hear it enough. That must That's be it. I'm, that must be yeah. it. I'm not yeah. I'm not in touch with the children these days. <laughs> so first off, I, I, I like that. Everything I've heard, I I've never met Darren Sabino or I don't remember, but everything I've heard about him from <clears throat> people in the industry is that they have a lot of respect for him. They really like him, not only just as a coach, a person and a recruiter. So that's all good. There are two other spots to fill. They did. He did bring uh, Greg uh, Yankowski. I think you you pronounce it that way. Um, he was the third assistant at Cincinnati under Cronin last year because they had some kind of problem with the existing guy who had uh, Larry Davis. I think he had to he had to step down for like pleading guilty to assault charges. So Yankowski stepped in, but he's going to be recruiting coordinator, which he had done at Cincinnati previously. So they've got some of the support staff in place, and now there are two more positions to fill. I think I wrote somewhere that the West Coast coaching talent is so down. I mean, it used to be back when I really went out a lot and knew all the West Coast coaches really well. I mean, I was friends with a lot of them, not just the UCLA coaches. There was a lot of talented. uh, There were quite a few talented guys out there, guys who could really, really evaluate, recruit. They were really sharp. And from just over the years, it's the talent pool has gotten shallow. Um, I would rather first off, you know, the default is that you get someone really sharp and it, he doesn't have to be from the West Coast. A sharp guy from the East Coast will be better on the West Coast than a mediocre guy from the West Coast who has recruiting ties. So I I would hold I wouldn't necessarily just go for someone on the West Coast for West Coast ties. From what I'm hearing, UCLA salary pool for assistant coaches is pretty big. They might be able to pull off some pretty big name guys from outside of the region too. Uh, when it comes to the evaluation period, I know there are recruiting fans who just say, please get them all in place so they can hit the ground running. And it's a it's a longer, longer, bigger picture. Uh, you don't you don't rush to hire your guys just to get them in place for this for the evaluation period that's coming up this weekend. You've got for one thing, you can only have three guys out at one time. So you've got Mick who's going to be out, Darren who's going to be out. They'll go to all the big events that are back east. There are some minor events here. And if you don't have someone hired, Chris Carlson, who is the associate athletic director, and I can't remember the rest. They always throw on those other titles, and I don't – basketball something. And who has been doing this a long time. He's been on Howland staff at UCSB, at Pittsburgh, at UCLA – then he was the head coach at UCSD himself. He he knows what he, this is a guy who knows what he's doing. So if you just need someone to go out to a local LA tournament and be able to evaluate and knows all the AU guys, you got him in Chris Carlson. So there's no hurry here at all. Uh, I think they're fine. Um, so, yeah, that's where they are. Um, you know, when it comes to who they might hire, I haven't heard anything over the weekend, really. Uh, I know uh, Kerry Keating is probably still a candidate. I think he's talked to uh, Cronin. Um, I, like, I, think I, I think I reported somewhere. I can't remember, but Reggie Morris, um, the Pepperdine assistant, not necessarily that I'm hearing – like he's leading as a candidate to be hired, but I'm hearing that his name is being is being pushed by many people out there. 
So that doesn't necessarily mean anything, but just that he's being pushed. And, and you know how it works in this industry. There are a lot of people who push for someone to be hired, and that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Um, I think Dave Rice, too, the former UNLV head coach, um, is probably a candidate. I'll try to. I'll try to this weekend find out a little bit more on, you know, or even this week on who they might hire. But I, I, there's no need to rush to, to fill those positions. Well, I, I just looked it up. So Savino is from Jersey. Um, ah, see, but that. But there's the thing: if you hire Kerry Keating, is that a little too much Jersey and Jersey adjacent on a single staff? <laughs> um, I lo- I think that's a good vibe. I think that's a great but, vibe. But do you remember for... when we were leaving the Final Four that one time, and one of us said something insulting about New Jersey, and somebody ahead of us. Like said something, we said something insulting about New Jerseyans generally, and somebody in front of us just turned around and said, "Oh yeah, f you," in like this like heavy Jersey accent, and I thought it was just quintessential. Yeah, where were we? That was that was a oh no, it was walking out of um, uh, the Sweet Sixteen Elite Eight when it was in uh, Anaheim. That's the, right. And what did you what did you say, Dave? <laughs> we had said something like we were talking about Doan. I think it was. I think we were saying something about Doan being. Oh, a, we being said a, something about Brian Doan. Of course, we yeah, did. If, if we're the typical guy from Jersey, it would yeah, be Brian Doan, yeah. extremely Jersey. And uh, yeah. somebody ahead of us in like a thick Jersey accent said, "Hey, fuck you." Um, so yeah. Anyway, that would be cool. Getting. Uh, I like that kind of vibe, though. I, I mean, it's just I think it lends itself well to assisting coaches that are recruiting, actually. Um, you know, the Kerry Keating that I knew as an assistant at UCLA, you pair him with Darren Stavino, that's, that's really, really, really strong. That's, that's very strong. But that between Kerry and Darren Savino, I think that would be a good, a very good strong core of recruiters. Yeah, so that would be um, that would be pretty cool. So when do you think that needs to actually happen? If it's not by this weekend, just whenever it happens. Uh, when is the next evaluation period? It's in the, the evaluation periods are so weird now. I think there's one in June or something, right? Yeah, uh, let me. I've got the calendar pulled up actually, or I did uh, have it up, it, and now it's gone. Why is it gone? Oh. Dave, Dave. Yeah, Dave. they got weird at some point. Um, yeah. Is I there is there one? In, yeah, there's one in uh, June. It looks like, but I think yeah. it might just be a single. No, that's not a single day. No, there's a bunch in June. Yeah, uh, the 13th, 14th, 21st, 22nd, 23rd, 28th, 29th, 30th. I think by then, um, you know. That's when you need more guys to go out and see a lot more. So from a recruiting standpoint, you know, you want to have that done by then. Uh, that's that's two months. Uh, I don't think there's going to be a worry that he won't have a staff in place by then. Uh, I think just really taking recruiting out of the equation, um, just everyday operations of of the program, you'd like to have, you know, your staff filled out. You know, within a few weeks, I'd say. Um, <laughs> if you look at those pictures, you know, of of practice that are getting tweeted out, it was very funny. Before Darren Savino showed up, <laughs> it was it looked like it was just Mick trying to like guard four guys at one time. So <laughs> I think it's just the reality and you know of of operating a, a program um, that you need you need to fill out that staff. Um, you know, they all want to, they all want to get it. They all want to get it in place so they can start moving forward and, you know, and start working their staff and working their program. So there's always that urgency, but I don't think having to get it filled out by this weekend is it, especially with Chris Carlson at, you know, as a resource. Yeah. Well, and then um, really quick team stuff. Um, I don't think we talked about last time Jalen Hands, Chris Wilkes, both announced for the NBA draft. And then there's, I think it's still uncertain with Moses Brown. But well, it's, the date came and went. He right? didn't that announce. Was, he yes, didn't announce that he's going to the NBA. But 
Right. But he, I mean, he can still leave. <laughs> he can still leave. Um, he can go play in Greece. Right. He could still do any number of things, or maybe he announced but didn't tell anybody. Who knows? Um, so that. Yeah, I didn't think of that. Yeah, right. you know, some of these kids, they're private, you know? They just want to do their thing and move right along. Um, so, obviously, the, the Wilkes and Haynes things were uh, um, uh, pretty expected. Um, Brown, I think, to a slightly lesser extent, expected, but still not a shock by any means. Um, and then the news that we would still be... The, the news we would were expecting one way or the other, um, that we would still be expecting, would be grad transfer potentials for... Prince Ali and Alex Olesinski. Yeah, interesting. I, um, I haven't heard anything about them transferring. Uh, you know, it was just all speculation when Cronin first took the job that those would be the obviously the two guys because they're seniors. They're they will have graduated and just you know the, the dynamic of how they fit into the team. But since practices is starting. I haven't heard anything like that. Uh, I haven't heard that they're absolutely staying, but I haven't heard anything that they would be leaving. I do know, I can tell you this, Mick Cronin likes uh, Alex Oleksinski. Just the, just the type, oh, not it, necessarily. It totally player, makes sense. The type of, just the type of character, his work ethic, who he is. And, and I, like I wrote before, I, I don't think Cronin's going to be a guy. If there's someone who wants to be there, he's not going to run them off. You know, there's a difference between running someone off and saying, you know, I don't see that there's playing time for you, and they decide to leave. But I don't think he's that type of guy, so to run someone off. Um, and then I, I posted that little tidbit that, from what I'm hearing, it, it's and it's pretty obvious that, They'll be if they're going to be prioritizing a player position for next year, it would be point guard. Given Tiger Campbell is still recovering from his ACL, and um, and the only other guy who can play point guard is David Singleton, who's recovering from a broken foot. So you know they're at. I'm sure it's driven home every every workout where Mick Cronin puts him on the court and he doesn't have a point guard to play. Um, so, yeah, I haven't heard everyone – when I posted that, everyone was asking me, well, who? And I, you know, football practice kind of took a lot of my time. Uh, I'll, I'll look in to see if there are – if there's any grad transfers or, or any, you know, high school prospect that they're, that they're looking at. Uh, a grad transfer would probably just be the absolute perfect fit, that he comes in for a year – he settles down the position. Tiger Campbell comes back, has a year to recover and get his knee up, and and then the guy leaves in a year, and he's not really taking a spot for four years. So I would have to just – I'm just speculating that that would be a great fit, but I'll definitely look into it this week there, bros. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, it's obviously, it's going to be probably slim pickings at this point, unless they can, you know, kind of luck out in the transfer market. Um, but yeah, I think that would be ideal, get somebody with, you know, maybe a year. You, you know, it's not like I just sit at my desk and I've got this little ticker that goes across of all inside information for you to get a lot of this no, information. I don't think anybody out. thinks that, Tracy. They, okay. They, they think, we, you know, they, we they have understand to that you actually have the radio, you have the radio transmitter embedded in your head <laughs> and it just gets beamed directly there. I don't think anybody's thinking you're processing this visually. They're you, just thinking gotta, you like, know it. Yeah. You got to like call people and talk to them and go spend time and to get information like this that you're not getting anywhere else. It's just not like it just shows up, you know on some kind of news ticker that we all get. So yeah, I'm all, we will try to run down what's going on. I, I mean, I thought that was pretty good information and insight that they're, you know, the, they would be prioritizing point guards. I think, um, I think, I think you're still, you're still reeling from, <laughs> from the coaching search. I think that's what's going on right here. I think you're processing I think it. Residual. Yeah, it's true. I, I think you're processing it, but I think, I think you're, uh, you're still, you're still feeling some scars. Well, you know, it's been over 20 years of doing this, Dave. And you know what I want to say, though, is um, 
for how frustrating it can be that, you know, you get blamed for a lot. There were so many guys, so many uh, bro users who sent me a private message saying, wow, you guys do such a great job. I, you know, just a lot of encouragement, too. So there were the, a lot of those guys out there that were just great. That's lovely. That is lovely. It is. See, so we, we ended it on a very light-filled uh, point. Well, have right. we ended yet? Can we go? Oh. Is there anywhere to go dark? <laughs> Dave, Dave, you just sometimes you just need to be optimistic. You need to fill your soul with with light. It's true. It's true. All right, we will end on a light note. We will we're end. ending on you stretching is I know. what we're doing. God, yeah. yeah, but it felt really good, so I don't regret it. <laughs> All right, well, for Tracy Pearson. Uh, that man over there who does all of this intense inside info acquisition for you broskies. And for me, David Woods. Uh, we will talk to you again next time. Tune in to Bruin Report Online. <laughs> Thanks, everyone.